Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. It's 12 November. It's uh, Sunday. It's time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And um, I want to thank everybody that didn't send emails this week because I was uh, gone for much of the week to Sacramento, California. And uh, the people that did send emails, you know, I came home and I had 300. Sergio Sergio emailed me and he said, uh, how many emails did you get? Which is an email by itself. And uh, I said... Um, I said, I went and counted really quickly, and I said, it's over 300. And he said, um, uh, all of a sudden, my Gmail responds, and it says 301. So Sergio sent me another. So, what do you normally get? Uh, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, day to day, 100 or so, but, um, or, you know, but that's just Gmail. And then you've got Facebook, and you've got all the other accounts you have, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, um, I, I did go to Sacramento this week, and uh, I, I, when I tell people I don't want emails, it's usually because I'm going to be busy. And uh, I don't want to tell people why I'm leaving because I have, you know, family that I don't want to leave at the house alone without me to protect them with my manly physique. So um, <laughs> that's why I don't say what I'm doing. But I went to Sacramento this week to visit a really wonderful family. This is a family that attends online. He came to this church through the Prophecy Update, and uh, we can't get rid of him now. He's a regular <laughs> part of the church, and he asked me the honor of going out and baptizing his three children. And more than this is that um, I highlighted him some months ago, maybe a year, I don't remember. His three children are special children. They're autistic, and they're, they're very young. Uh, the mother had to actually take and practice with them baptism, so they were ready for what was going to happen. And, um, you know, I want to make sure they've actually received Christ. And I sat them down and I talked to them and I asked them questions. You know, what happened on the cross? Jesus died. What happened after that? And I had to kind of prompt them because they don't know what I'm thinking. And I said, he went somewhere, he went into the grave. And then what happened after that? And he came out of the grave. And I said, do you all believe that? Yes, we do. So uh, one of them is very autistic. The second one is Still very autistic, but not as much. And then the third one is autistic, but um, closer to uh, realization of, of all things around her. But still, each one of them has this. And it was such an honor, not just to see these children, but to share with the parents who were the most patient two people I have ever been with. I'm telling you, they, they were such a testimony in their own lives of patience towards this. And I've got a point about this. I've got something coming up in the morality section today, which I will tie into that. But I want you to know that if you are suffering in this world, there are lots of other people that are able to endure it and with greater suffering probably than you are right now. And they do it with joy. And so remember that, that what you, you make your circumstances and it is based on how you relate to Jesus Christ. Don't forget that. You make your circumstances based on how you relate to Jesus Christ because we have people that suffer with, I didn't pray for Paul before we started, and that was what was on my mind because I had these other things. But we have a person that's suffering right now with his own issues at home, and he is praising the Lord through it. He could be moaning about how bad life is, and he doesn't do it. And the same thing with this family. And I'm saying this for a reason. It's because this is a prophecy update. And so many people that watch prophecy updates, that's all they do is they just watch one after another after another, and they never get into the fact that Jesus Christ is a real, true entity in our lives that is there with us at all times, and he has given us his spirit to lead us through these difficult times. And what, a, what an honor it was. So I want to thank them. They sent me a video, which I will not, at this time at least, be able to put onto the update because it was too grainy. I looked at it this morning. It was, it was in a garage that we did it because it was kind of cold outside. But um, it, was, it was the most wonderful baptism of my life. And this is a guy that baptized his own father at 83 years old. So I can tell you, it was the highest honor I have had. And um, I want to thank them personally. And I want everybody to remember this lesson. Okay, it's an important one. We also have um, somebody visiting today, actually a couple people. We've got Chuck and Bill. And what was your name, ma'am? 
Diana. Diana, thank you. And Chuck and Bill have been here before. You weren't here last time, were you? No. no. Okay. So they attend John Haller's church up north and where it's cold, where it's not like here. And so I want to thank you guys for coming and sharing a little bit of time with us. Praise the Lord. And uh, we'll get together this week, okay? We're going to do that because uh, it's, it's a real honor having them here. And let's see, I've got somebody to highlight. I know we're already 10 minutes into the update and I haven't gotten to anything, but that's okay. I've said the important thing on my heart today. Um, uh, we have somebody to highlight from Hobart, Tasmania. You talk about wow. one of the places I've always wanted to go because of that little guy on cartoons, right? The Tasmanian devil. All my life I've thought about Tasmania. So here we go. This is Tammy Breen and a group of 11. They all watch the Prophecy Update together every week. She says, Hobart, Tasmania is Australia's second smallest city, but most beautiful, she says, who gather together every Tuesday evening to learn more of God's word and to pray. Unfortunately, we had two members missing on the night the photo was taken. As you can see from the photo, we are blessed to have a few young ones amongst us. We thoroughly enjoy your weekly updates, which we have watched now for three or four years and never miss. Curtis, who has the special needs, particularly loves your updates. He has a wonderful, simple faith and loves the Lord his God with all his heart. He attends every study with us and takes everything in, contributing to our studies makes me think of these three children that were uh, I just had the honor of baptizing at the most unexpected times and always giving the correct answer. We are all longing for the rapture and eagerly listen daily for the call to come up here to be with our Lord and Savior. We so look forward to meeting you all then and God bless you and your ministry. So we send our love way over Hobart, Tasmania. And I, I will say this today, uh, it may actually change in the future, but um, after traveling this week, I don't think I'll ever go back to the Asia or anywhere else on a plane. I, I, I uh, traveled only as far as California, and it was the most debilitating travel I have ever gone through. And I know I've already said too much, but I'm going to say this anyway. Is flying into L.A., they, uh, they are, it is the worst airport in the world. Please don't fly into L.A. ever. Domestic and international arrived at the same corridor, and we could not deplane because they have customs for these people, and they won't let you off your plane until they get done, and you know how long that takes. So I missed my flight, which actually turned out okay because I got there later, and the person that was picking me up, um, Kyle, the father of the three children, got to finish his work day. But um, I missed a half a day with them because of that. And uh, then flying home, we, uh, we went to Sacramento Airport, and, um, oh, it's going to be fine. It's just you'll walk right in and you'll be right there. And we got there. And I'm not kidding when I say this. There were lines that went thousands of people down this way. And it you'd around. we walked in and we thought, well, we got to go all the way down there. And they said, no, the line starts over there. It made a U all the way around the airport. And it, they said, oh, this happens every Friday, which we can't believe because they had the news there. It was it, there were so many people. And the problem is, you know me, I don't carry a cell phone and I don't know anything about booking or rebooking anything. And so I'm uh, I'm in line and there are people that have missed their flight and they are rebooking right in line. And I'm thinking, if I don't get on my my flight, all the flights later are going to be full because flights were literally leaving all through the morning empty, empty, right? Yeah. And so I, I'm thinking I'm not going to even be able to rebook, but I could tell that Kyle, who took me there, he didn't want to leave me. He was like, he walked with me all the way. And finally I said, you need to go. And um, I was just up to where you start this maze that takes another 20 oh. hours. And um, so what happened is I got through that maze kind of quickly. And we had about three minutes left when I got up to the thing where you do this and they take your picture and all that. And the girl in front of me was Chinese, and she didn't take off her shoes. She didn't take off her glasses. She didn't do anything they asked her to do. And so we've got this delay of trying to figure out how to tell this person, you need to be ready for this. And so they finally got me through. They were very gracious. They just they ran us through. I grabbed my bag. I looked at my thing. It says A5. I ran to A5. They're calling last call for my airplane, and it's not there. It's over at A3, but thankfully it was very close. So I ran over. I, I got in just as they were closing the door. And I don't ever want to fly again. So, Okay, let's get into the update now. Now you know, now you know why my head has been ringing for three days because of flying, but it's really ringing after yesterday, or what was it, two days ago, or whenever I got home. I'm just, I'm, wow. Um, okay, so uh, our first category, as always, is Israel. 
And I had somebody tell me last week, you need to explain why you use the term Fakistinian. Oh, and because yeah. a lot of people may turn this on and they may not understand and they may take offense, which I don't care if people take offense. That doesn't bother me at all. Uh, you know, I have my little catchwords and we all do it. But uh, I say Fakistine because it is a merging of disassociated parts which form an unnatural whole. It comes from Frankenstein and Palestine, and you get Fakistine, okay? Um, it is a merging of disassociated parts to form an unnatural whole. Okay, that's actually not it. That was just my joke, and nobody laughed at it. But um, the reason why I use the term Fakistine is because there is no real Palestine. That was a name that was given by the Romans based on the uh, Hebrew word Philistine. Okay, the Philistines in the Bible are the enemies of God. Philistim is what it is in Hebrew. And then the Romans came in and they exiled the Jews and killed them all and destroyed everything. And in order to erase the history of Israel, they called it Palestina, okay, which is based on the Philistines. And so this name continued all of these many, 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 many long years. And there was people that have been in the land. There have been Jews in the land. There have been Arabs in the land. There have been all of these different groups all along. There's always been a Jewish remnant in Israel, always. And if you want to understand what is going on in Israel and the truth, the truth, I'm not talking about what you hear on the news and what you hear with people that hate Israel. I'm talking about the truth. You go read the book, Innocence Abroad. Mark Twain, he wrote it in the 1800s, and he did it without any presuppositions or biases. He simply went through Paul's journeys, and then he got down to Dan in northern Israel, and he went from Dan down to Jerusalem, and he documented everything he saw. He wasn't doing this for any other reason except to tell people what it's like over there. And he was a chronicler, he was a documenter, and he was an author. So he wrote the book Innocence Abroad, and he tells you how many people are there, what they are, what their heritage is, he tells who is productive and who isn't. He tells you everything. Go read Innocence Abroad and just understand that what has been perpetrated in the world today is untrue. There is no Palestinian people with millions of people waiting to get back into the land that were there that were kicked out by Israel. Okay, And the people that did leave were asked to not leave by the Jews. They said, don't go. We'll live as brothers together. They voluntarily left and they are not coming back. Okay, But... That's why I use the term fakestine, is because it is all fake. And I don't care if I offend people with that. That is their choice to be offended. We're going to go on. From Zero Hedge. Um, explosive leaked secret. Israeli cable confirms Israeli-Saudi coordination to provoke war. Very interesting article. Israeli Channel 10 News published a leaked diplomatic cable which had been sent to all Israeli ambassadors throughout the world concerning the chaotic events that unfolded over the weekend in Lebanon and Saudi Arabia, which began with the Lebanese Prime Minister Hariri's unexpected resignation after he was summoned to Riyadh by his Saudi backers and led to Saudis announcing that Lebanon had declared war against the kingdom. You need to read an article on um, Zero Hedge about uh, if you don't understand what the uh, deal with Saudi Arabia is, you should, or something like that. It, it just came out. It's the highlight article of this morning, and it will explain why you should be worried in the world right now. But we'll go on. The classified embassy cable written in Hebrew constitutes the first formal evidence proving that the Saudis and the Israelis are deliberately coordinating to escalate the situation in the Middle East. Just after Lebanese Prime Minister Hariri's resignation, Israel sent a cable to all of its embassies with the request that its diplomats do everything possible to ramp up diplomatic pressure against Hezbollah and Iran. The cable urged support for Saudi Arabia's war against Iran-backed Houthis in Yemen. The cable stressed that Iran was engaged in regional subversion Israeli diplomats were urged to appeal to the highest officials within their host countries to attempt to expel Hezbollah from Lebanese government and politics. This is a very troubling situation over here. For this cable to uh, go out means that Saudi Arabia and Israel are hip deep in what's going on in the world right now. And you wonder why Saudi Arabia is not mentioned in Gog Magog. Somebody this week, my friend Kyle in California, said one of these days I need to do a, a board behind me to show you all of the countries and who's coming against Israel, and I will try to get that together if I can. Uh, it'll help you place together what I talk about off the top of my head 
I could read you this and it says the same thing I say, but you need to have a map maybe. Or you can just go online and type in Gog Magog Battle. And there's 10,000, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, pictures you can look at of what people are projecting is coming. Yeah. Saudi Arabia is not coming against Israel, and now we can see that they're actually working as an alliance against Iran, which is the main problem in the Middle East. All right, from World Israel News, you, this is just one of those kick-me-in-the-pants kind of things. U.S. Ambassador Haley, our, you know, Trump's ambassador to the United Nations, vows to end Obama's cowardly betrayal of Israel. Good job. Nikki Haley, the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, addressed the Israeli-American Council National Conference in Washington, D.C., and vowed that the cowardly act of allowing passage of Resolution 2334, which we reported on last year, which labeled Israel a violator of international law, was an act of betrayal that will never happen again. Unless we're not vigilant and we lose our presidency or, you know, in the, uh, the next election, then we're going to be right back with some terrible person making terrible decisions against Israel and ultimately against the United States as well, because that's what's gone on for eight years. From YNET, Netanyahu promises to bring our boys home. I mentioned the um, tunnel blowing up last week, and there's Israeli bodies and Israeli soldiers that have been kept by Hamas all along. And they said, listen to this. Um, Netanyahu promises to bring our boys home, rejects demand to return terrorists' bodies. Good job, Netanyahu. Netanyahu promised to return Israeli citizens currently held captive at a ceremony marking a construction agreement in the northern city of Migdal, Ha, and Mech. The government has two roles to protect the country and to build it. I wish our government could realize that. Yeah. Protect the country and build it. All that other stuff we've gotten into, we need to get rid of. We Elections coming up in 2018. Come on, everybody get ready. We have a simple rule. Whoever wants to attack us, we attack them. He also made an apparent rejection of the current pro-Fakistinian demand that Israel return the bodies of Hamas and Islamic Jihad militants buried in the terror tunnel the IDF blew up last week without receiving the bodies of Israeli soldiers held by Hamas or information on living Israeli citizens held by the terror group. Makes total sense to me. Now, I have a feeling that Israel will cave on this. But right now, they are holding the line. They're saying, you're not getting that unless we get ours. Sounds totally fair and reasonable to me. There is no such thing as a free gift. We will bring our boys home, but I repeat, there are no free gifts. And that brings me to a theological point, which always sticks in my neck. The Bible says that salvation is a free gift. That's a redundancy, folks. It is a gift. There's no such thing. He's right, and he's wrong when he said it because he's saying it in contradistinction to what it should be. A gift is a gift. He should say there are no gifts. That's what he should say. So if you have your Bible and it says salvation is a free gift, take the free and circle it so you don't repeat it in your head because it's just a redundancy. God gives salvation to his people as a gift, okay? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It is a gift, Okay, all you need to do is receive Jesus Christ. He has done all of the work. He died, he was buried, and he was resurrected for us. And we receive that by faith, and we're saved. It is a gift. So I would hope that if anybody's watching this today and has never processed that, has been sitting in their church all their life and not made that decision, that they would do it. That was me, 36 years of my life. I was, you know, one of these nominal Christians. I was raised in the Episcopal Church. Nobody ever said I needed Jesus. And so here we go. I see some head shaking in here right now. Uh, you know, there's a point. My mom, she's sitting back there. She listened to Hank Lindstrom, Bible line, you know, King James only, you know, kind of. But that's okay. He was very good. And he said like 400 times every show, you need to receive Jesus as your Savior. You need to, you need to call on him. You need to do what the Bible says, right? And uh, finally, one day she says, I need Jesus. She took me to church. Growing up, she helped establish a church out there. She was on the board, right? All of a sudden, there's something that clicks in your mind. I need Jesus. You might be watching today and say, I'm I'm going to heaven. Well, why? Why are you going to heaven? If you ain't going through Jesus, you ain't going. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me, right? That is the end of that story. Don't send me an email and debate it. That is it. I'm sure it's going to come, right? Okay, so from uh, Ynet, Navy implements smart sonar to battle Hamas naval commando. The Israeli Navy is currently implementing the Simba, 
mobile sonar for precise location in shallow waters designed to quickly and precisely identify terrorist infiltrations into Israel by sea. Three and a half years since the last naval incursion, the IDF estimates that Hamas Naval Commando has improved dramatically and already includes hundreds of trained fighters equipped with advancing advanced diving systems. In light of the proven capabilities of Iron Dome against rockets and against the backdrop of the underground anti-tunnel obstacle and its related technologies, whose effectiveness were proven in the destruction of the terror tunnel in the southern Gaza border, it is estimated that in the next confrontation, Hamas will invest its efforts in penetrating Israel by sea. The new sonar is expected to be vastly superior to the one currently in use. It is mounted on a small and fast WASP class amphibious assault ship and can identify in real time within a radius of many kilometers who is an enemy combatant among hundreds of marine animals, miscellaneous submerged objects, and civilian divers. Within minutes, we will be able to identify the threat and act against it while still in the water and eliminate it using grenades and other explosive devices. I like that part. Its use will also prevent unnecessary harm to animals that live in the water, such as turtles. Right? Good job. Yeah, we got Turtle Beach right at the end of Siesta Key. That's where I uh, was pretty much raised was at Turtle Beach, and uh, we want to preserve our turtles, right? I mean, I, I don't think we should be preserving them at human expense. We can abort 50 million children a year or something or whatever. 3,000 a day, we're up to 90 million in America, but we can't touch a turtle leg. You touch a turtle leg, you will go to jail in Sarasota, Florida. So uh, there's a little bit of, but I'm glad they're protecting turtles over there and blowing up the bad guys. From Christian News Today, I would like to make an announcement that I hope everybody will take to heart. Please, please take this to heart. Um, everybody knows that Isaac over in Uganda had a school, and we, he had a GoFundMe uh, that was raising money for that, and somebody gave a $7,000 donation, which covered the entire cost of the school. That was returned to that person. And he, it, for some reason, it went back. He emailed, and he said they didn't explain why. It's probably because of the country he's in. I don't know this. He is $7,000 short, and he went and got blueprints and everything made up. So he's he, everything was ready. The day after this funding was done, he s sent me an email with all of the projected things they were going to do, blueprints, everything. And that is not the case now. So if you can afford to help Isaac, if you can help this cause, I would ask you to do it. I uh, Send me an email, and I will send you the GoFundMe. And if I can fit it behind me on the screen, I will do that. But please try to help Isaac's school. It was a dream. It came true, and then it collapsed. And so he's only up to like $900,000 right now out of 8000 needed. Okay, so from Christian Post today, arm the churches. I just threw this in because of what happened a week or so ago, and I agree with this. Arm the churches, Minnesota preacher says. In wake of Texas shooting, Reverend Robert Bakke tells pastors to stop teaching weakness. The only answer to the Texas church shooting is for houses of worship to arm themselves, something that I have been saying for years now. And uh, if you come too close to me, you'll find out uh, very quickly what you don't want to know. I'm talking about terrorists. You come to my house, come to our church, and you will leave weighing much more in lead than you will in lost blood. Okay? He says this is not about gun control, rental trucks, or fertilizer bombs. It is about evil. You will never stop evil because it is in the world. But you can deter a coward by letting him know you have plenty of firepower on the premises. Taking heed to that, I saw a church up in New York, a Mexican church, posted on their thing, we are a heavily armed church, be advised. And so I, I want everybody to know that the superior word is a heavily armed church. If that offends you, the door is right over there, okay? There, I, there's no tolerance of that in my life or many of the people sitting here, Okay. We need to be ready to do anything in this world because we don't know what's coming. It's a terrible world we live in. From the times of Israel in big anniversary year, this is one of my jaw chewers, and so I decided to throw it in. Christian Zionists see signs of the Messiah. Okay, this is an article from Israel, people saying, oh, we're seeing signs of the Messiah because this is a, a big year. 50 years since the Six-Day War. Okay, that's actually incorrect because if you go by the Bible, which is 360 days, not 365 days, it happened, I think it was 16 September of last year. Okay, so that's wrong. 
All right, uh, 50 years since the Six-Day War, 100 years since the Balfour Declaration. Yes, by our calendar, but if it pertains to anything, then it was like four years ago because we're taking five days off for every biblical year. We need to keep this in perspective. 150 years since, oh, he mentions it, Mark Twain's first visited Palestine or Fakistan. This year has been a year of big Israel-related anniversaries, which is already proven wrong, okay? To Jewish state's most diehard Christian supporters, the barrage of milestones is not mere coincidence, but rather a harbinger of prophecies being fulfilled. Now, I don't dismiss that Israel is the center of all of this, and that the fact that Israel's back in the land is showing us that we are close to the end times. But to go picking dates and to do it incorrectly at that, and then putting this out where Jewish people are going to see this, and when nothing happens... What an embarrassment, and what a testimony against Christianity. you got all these knuckleheads that are making all these things. Why would we want to convert to that faith? We're trying to evangelize Jews, to let them know that Christ is the Messiah, and we're harming that by all these things. But let's go on. Every half century, many Christian Zionists believe history makes a concerted push towards its end point, the return of the Messiah to Jerusalem. According to this pattern, which is a jubilee, we're going to go through that in about uh, a few more chapters of, uh, I think it's Leviticus 25. I'm typing Leviticus 23 now. But anyway, the jubilee, it's a 50-year jubilee, and they count from that. But once again, they're doing it by current years. They're not doing it by the 360-day Bible. So even that's messed up. But let's see here. According to this pattern, something momentous should happen to Israel before the end of 2017. Well, something momentous happens every day in Israel. And something momentous happens every day in the world when somebody receives Christ. All right? You know, my friend Jeff, who was here, we prayed for him this morning because of his shoulder. We had lunch together before he went back up north. And his answer was, you know, he's got some ideas about the coming of the Lord, too. But he's not broadcasting them all over the place. And he said, what are you going to do? Win the $50 prize when you get to heaven? Right? I, I, I figured out the day of the rapture. It's utterly ridiculous what's been going on. 23 September, it doesn't happen, and so they move it back two days, and then they move it back to 11 November, and they just keep picking days and stringing people along who are sending them money. Here, donate button. Don't forget to donate when you come to our site and get my valuable information. It's insane. All right? Anyway, reading Israel's modern history, there seems to be something unusual in 50-year cycles. If it's the proper jubilee, maybe, it means that we should expect something incredible to happen this year to further propel Jerusalem and Israel into prophetic destiny. Every day that land is being moved forward in prophetic destiny, every single day. And every time a Jew comes to Christ in Israel and becomes a part of their messianic movement, that is a prophetic fulfillment of what God said would happen. I will. He says he's going to return them to the land, and then the Spirit will fill them. And it's happening now. There's going to be a rapture, and then there's going to be the tribulation. Two-thirds of those people are going to die, and a lot of them are probably going to die because they saw how stupid Christians are picking rapture dates and making fools of themselves. Okay, Times of Israel. Joshua, there's another one that kind of gets you, but this is from the uh, other side. Joshua stopped the sun 3,224 years ago today, scientists say. This was October 30th. It's a week or so old. Cambridge researchers announced that they pinpointed the date of the biblical account of Joshua stopping the sun, which they claim is the day of the oldest eclipse ever recorded. Okay, now they're saying that an eclipse was what happened when Joshua stopped the sun. So let me go on. Here we go. It was on October 30th, 1207 BCE. They even add on the E just to make sure that they're, they're being uh, PC. Okay, exactly 3,224 years ago. In a paper published in the Royal Astronomical Society Journal Astronomy and Geophysics, Researchers explained that they were constantly also able to refine the dates of the reigns of the two Egyptian pharaohs of that era, Ramses the Great and his son Merneptah. Now, if you remember, I talked about this some time ago, that the, uh, the uh, people, remember that one I talked about uh, is Genesis history, and the uh, we all watched it, and you all said it was very good, and this guy identified a completely different pharaoh, which actually matches the Bible, and it doesn't match these people. They're trying to move it forward to obscure any truth of the exodus of Israel out of the land. So they've gone forward a couple hundred years, and they're saying it aligns with these pharaohs, but that's a different, that's a side issue as well. The um, paper reinforces research published earlier this year by Israeli scientists who also interpreted the biblical story as referring to an eclipse on the same date. It's probably that guy in Israel named Finkelstein who is, he hates being a Jew 
He hates anything to do with true biblical history, and so he makes stuff up and he finds all kinds of, but he's one of their most renowned archaeologists because they rely on that guy. Yeah, anyway, it's, um, the researchers rejected earlier Chinese and Ugaritic records of eclipses as unreliable, concluding that the Bible contains the only record of a solar eclipse prior to 1000 BCE. They add on the E again. Chapter 10 of the book of Joshua relates that soon after Joshua and the Israelites entered the promised land, they waged battle against five armies which lay siege to the Gibeonites. Joshua had promised to protect the Gibeonites, so he led an army and defeated the five kings. Good job, Joshua. Joshua prayed God help the Israelites in their battle by stopping the sun. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord on the day when the Lord delivered the Amorites before the children of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still upon Gibeon, and you, moon, in the valley of Aielon. That's Joshua 10:12. If these words are describing a real observation, then a major astronomical event was taking place. The question for us to figure out is what the text actually means and they oh we're gonna look at the text now okay modern english translations which follow the king james version so they say it, it, it came out in 1611 this is a new thing well guess what i went back to the latin vulgate then i went to the geneva bible which predates the uh, king james version and the latin vulgate goes back to like 300 ce right you, okay so anyway it's always said this it's not something new invented by king jimmy okay usually to interpret this to mean that the sun and moon stopped moving. But going back to the original Hebrew, we determined that an alternative meaning could be that the sun and moon just stopped doing what they were normally to do. They stopped shining. If the biblical account means that the light from the sun appeared to stop shining, it may refer to an eclipse. This interpretation is supported by the fact that the Hebrew word translated stand still has the same root as a Babylonian word, which is a completely different alphabet and language, by the way. Anyway, used in ancient astronomical texts to describe eclipses. So they're sure that this is an eclipse, right? The moon, instead of stopping, stopped shining. Okay, so let's go to Joshua. I've got to find this. It's Joshua chapter 10. So, so why would fighting in the dark be an advantage? Uh, yeah. Fighting in the dark would definitely not be an advantage right. unless they had their um, photon power beams to, uh, to see what was going on. But um, Joshua 10, and then we go down to verse 12, and we go a little further. And it says here, verse 12, um, the, did I say 10, 12? Uh, well, i got to be in Joshua. I'm in Judges. It always helps to be in the right book, Charlie. Okay, Joshua 10, verse 12, and then it says, I'm going to read it again. Sun stands still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Aelon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. I checked. The longest known eclipse in the history of the world is seven minutes. Okay, that was a really quick battle. And then it goes on. It says, is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. That's a lot more than seven minutes. So once again, don't trust things when you see those. Okay, don't believe people that make stuff up out of their heads. The Bible is true. The sun stopped. There's been no other day like it, the Bible says, and I believe it because this is the word of the Lord, okay? We've gone through so many convincing evidence since Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Somebody emailed me again just this past week. They're watching the Leviticus sermons. He said, I'm astonished at how much Christ is in there. I went back and started watching from the beginning. And after he finishes that, I hope he goes back and watches Genesis and Exodus and Ruth and Job or Jonah. I hope he watches all of them because this everything points to Christ. Christ isn't going to lie to us about the moon stopping or the right. sun stopping. or It's just not going to happen. Let's go on. Islam today. Al-Arabiya. Iraq federal court rules no region can secede after Kurdish independence bid. They have now said there is no secession. Iraq's Supreme Federal Court ruled that no region or province can secede from the country reacting to a Kurdish vote for independence. The ruling was a response to a government request to put an end to any wrong misinterpretation of the Constitution and assert the unity of Iraq. Unity. Now, they're moving together with Iran right now. So we can see that what we thought during Desert Storm, Iraq isn't mentioned as coming against Israel. We thought, well, 
there it's not mentioned. But now we can see that the Persian Empire will include Iraq coming against Israel. Bad times ahead for Israel, but that means that the Kurdish region is going to remain under Iraq as well. And they're either going to be forced to fight against Israel or they're going to be killed. It's going to be a bloodbath. This, you want to be out of here at the rapture. Because this world is going to devolve into anarchy. It's going to be horrifying. Let's go on. Uh, It was a response, as I said, the court is responsible for settling disputes between Iraq's central government and regions including Kurdistan. No secession for them. From the Free Beacon. Uh, This is always good to know, right? Make the news, anybody, other than the Free Beacon? Islamic scholars gather to discuss destroying Israel. Some 700 Islamic scholars gathered in Beirut to mark the centenary of the Balfour Declaration with a conference discussing the future of the movement to destroy Israel. Made all CNN, didn't it? Everybody saw that one. Um, And featuring a message from Iranian leadership to attendees to keep fighting the Zionist regime. Iran's Supreme Leader Ayatollah Khamenei wrote a letter to the Congress urging all individuals who feel the importance of this great responsibility of freeing Fakistan to continue different methods of fighting against the usurper Zionist regime. Without a doubt, scholarly elites, clerics, and politicians, as well as the officials of Muslim countries, carry the heavier part of this responsibility. This is a sacred and well-ending resistance. It'll be well-ending when Christ comes. It'll be well-ending for Israel. It will not be well-ending for Iran. I can absolutely assure you. And all of these other people that come against Israel, goat, you're out of here. Goat, you're out of here. Goat, you're out of here. It is not going to be a happy ending. They think it is, but he called, this is still him writing, he called it a holy fight with certain victory promised. Yeah, certain victory for Jesus Christ. Guaranteed when he rides back on his white horse, Revelation 19.11, and he delivers Israel. Okay, you know what I had yesterday talking about delivering Israel? I got this email. You know, when you have a church, you go online, they have sites where people that are moving to a local community can look up the different churches, right? And um, so I have this out there, and this one person emailed me, and uh, he said, I'm looking for a church, and I'd like to talk to you about your doctrine, and this is yesterday. I called him, even though I was really busy. I called him, just say, yeah. And he started, I, I knew immediately what was going on. Is he calls churches that are dispensationalists, and he tries to argue his position so that you will change your convictions, right? And so he starts arguing with me about things, and I went through, and I defended everything very clearly. And he said, well, that's never in the Bible. And I said, well, here it is. Uh-oh. You know, he was just uneducated in the Bible. But um, anyway, he was arguing that we are Jews, we've replaced Israel, and he says, you don't believe that? And I said, of course not. And uh, finally he says, well, I'm not attending your church, you're a hyper-dispensationalist. And I said, well, I'm a dispensationalist, and you wouldn't be doing well here anyway, but I know that's not the case, because after I got done, I emailed him to thank him for calling, and it was a nice talk, and guess what? It came back, gmail.con, C-O-N, it rejected, and it was a con, so there you go. So if you're a pastor and you get one of those, give them a call and debate them, but they're there to troll you and to waste your time and to try to get you to over your doctrine, okay? You need to be prepared with doctrine in advance, okay? Anyway, let's go on. They're going to certain victories promised against the enemy Zionist entity. Ismail Hanea, the leader of terror organization Hamas, spoke in Beirut to assure conference attendees that Israel has no future and that Hamas would continue to attack the country. Well, they did pretty well last week, didn't they? They're all still laying there in the ground. This comes from Hamas, who was said to have moderated its stance on Israel when it dropped the call for Israel's elimination from its charter earlier this year. So in order to make peace with Israel, they're lying, in other words, because they're going up to this country in Lebanon. They're saying, we're going to blow them up. Conference participants have reportedly come from as far as Malaysia and Nigeria. I was in Malaysia. It was a wonderful country. Beautiful people. Uh, You know, I'm sure it's devolved quite a bit since then, but what a beautiful country. And they have the best fruit on the planet known as durian. If you ever get a chance to eat durian, you will love it. Okay. Infowars. Obama era FBI assistant director. Americans must accept terror attacks as the price of diversity. Okay. Yes, this is a FBI assistant director who penned this. Yes, absolutely true. Now, because I mentioned Fakistan and why I call people Fakistanians, why do I call him a bummer? Because he's a bummer, right? He's O and he's a bummer. That's why I call him that. Um, and a lot of people have gotten down on me over that in years. You need to be polite. And yeah, it's just, you know what? If, yeah, 
Whatever. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, like they're being with Trump. Okay, so uh, let's go on. In a piece for NBC penned in the aftermath of the New York City attack carried out by an ISIS-supporting Islamic terrorist, Fig Li Uzi argues, that's his name, that not being seen as bigoted is more important than actually stopping terror attacks. He says, to be clear, any loss of life is a tragedy and law enforcement will always work tirelessly to avoid it. But there's an inevitable evolution happening as the old pass-fail view of counterterrorism pivots towards a containment and mitigation strategy. But just as officials are adjusting their perspective, it may be time for the public to adjust as well. This is up to you, people. You need to adjust. If we cling to the old view that any successful attack represents a counterterrorism failure, which it does, we must also be ready to accept a new way of life. Do we want to view anyone from a different country with a different set of beliefs? Well, what beliefs? That's my question. They want to kill you. But that's what he's saying. A different set of beliefs as no longer welcome here? Yes. They want to kill us. Don't let them into the country. Keep them out. It's that simple. That you want, if you want to kill us, don't come to the superior word. Okay? Don't do it. We don't want you here. Well, we should do the same with this country. His name is Figliuzzi. Okay? He says, I would argue we do not. Well, he's an idiot. Today, the White House is already calling for even more stringent constraints on immigration policy. Good. Taken to its illogical extreme, only to a Democrat, this approach to counterterrorism will preclude anyone from anywhere from entering the U.S. if any of their fellow nationals has ever committed a terror act. Well, when they keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it, we don't want them. Right? I don't see people coming from Israel and blowing us up. There was that one guy out in California that shot a bunch of people one time. He was a Jewish guy. And, you know, but that's one out of 10 zillion. We've got six million Jews living in New York, right? They're not out there blowing people up. Okay, we'll go on. That's not who we are. Well, apparently it is, at least in this church. He concluded, again, elevating the importance of being politically correct above preventing terrorist rampages. NBC News even tweeted out the article with the words, Americans must prepare for a future where terror is routine. That's NBC's telling us we need to get it. We need to accept it. Uh, okay, Mongolia Weekly from Fox. Talking about uh, early creation there, Jim, before our, we open today. Gigantic dinosaur-eating plane-sized reptile discovered in Mongolia. This is a really big, big bird. A monstrous meat-eating flying reptile that had a wingspan of a small airplane could walk on all fours and stalked its prey on land has been found in the Gobi Desert. Researchers from the U.S., Japan, and Mongolia have been collecting the prehistoric animal's skeletal remains since 2006 when Buuve Mayinbayar, a paleontologist from Mongolia, discovered its first fossil in the western Gobi. I immediately recognized that it might be a petrosaur and was astonished at its gigantic size. What they discovered were the remains of a flying monster that would have stood 18 feet high on the ground and had a wingspan of 36 feet. That's a big bird. That rivaled the length of the two largest petrosaurs currently known. The Mongolian petrosaur had not been declared a new species yet because of its incomplete remains. Well, that's a, that's a big one there. Daniel 12 Technology. I want you to know that... Um, I went to California, and I saw Kyle and Shella, and I made some really good friends that have already been friends by email and by, um, uh, you know, uh, talking on the phone from time to time and Facebook, but I made some really good friends, and Kyle already has sent me something a while ago, and I wanted to show it to you. This is Daniel 12 Technology. I mentioned this in an update, but I did not bring it in, but I want you to see this. Do you know what this is? Does anybody know what this is? It's the Starship Enterprise, right? This is a pizza cutter. This is a pizza cutter. So now, while I was there, he gave me an addition to my culinary um, delights. He gave me a Enterprise salt shaker and a Romulan pepper shaker. So if anybody ever wants to know high tech, and you know the good thing is, because this is Star Trek, 
the uh, salt and pepper are automatically, all you do is just push a button and it, it makes them right out of thin air, just like the, uh, you know, the food things. So you never have to buy salt or pepper because they're permanently full. It just it makes them into, yeah. So just so you know, these are available online. And I did tell you about the, the mug he gave me as well that beams up and down the people. And when I put in the coffee, it beams them off of the Enterprise and it beams them into uh, uh, alien territory. And every morning I have a second cup of coffee now because it's so cool. But yeah, that's, that's my Star Trek tech for today. We'll get into mail online. Wine. Anybody here drink wine? Wine could make your fillings fall out. Even even a couple glasses a week are enough to dislodge modern and old fillings, especially if you're a man, the study says. Well, let's listen to the article and see what they're going on about. A study by the University of Pittsburgh analyzed dental records on all patients at the University Medical Center for five years. They found lifestyle choices, not filling material, affected filling failure the most. The failure rate was highest among male drinkers who smoke cigarettes. So they didn't tell you that in the the beginning, but if you smoke and drink, you're going to lose some fillings, folks. Okay, mail online. The iPhone ultrasound device, this is your iPhone, you just plug it in your iPhone, that can spot cancer. Doctor shows how he detected his own tumor with groundbreaking technology. Dr. Joe Martin, 59, is developing a handheld ultrasound device. It's already done. He just has to get FDA approval, okay, that can be connected to an iPhone. While the product was being tested for FDA clearance, Dr. Martin noticed a lump in his own throat. He tested himself with the product and found out that he had cancer. He has now undergone surgery and radiation to treat it. So you can now check yourself for cancer. You don't. That probably won't pass because they get billions of dollars in the medical industry from testing you, but that would be pretty cool if you can, you know, there's probably not much up here, so there's no point in checking, but maybe down here. I, I've got a heart somewhere. I, I, somewhere. Okay, um, mail online. The curious relationship between altitude and suicide. I am so glad that I live in Sarasota, Florida. Listen to this. New map reveals, this is very bizarre. New map reveals people in these high up counties, and it fits all over the United States. This map just shows all the, where the suicides are. All mountainous. Um, uh, where was it? These high up counties are more likely to kill themselves. A new study by Auburn University has shown how altitude affects suicide risk. For example, in Utah, the average geographic altitude is about 6,000 feet. The rate of suicide is 70% higher than average. It could be that hypoxia, which is deficiency in the amount of oxygen reaching the tissues, affects mental health. Right? There you go. Very interesting. Stay in Sarasota, Florida. Be safe. Okay, yeah, but you get hurricanes here, don't you? That was kind of a problem. From yeah, they don't have them up in the Rockies. No, okay. Uh, Yahoo. This is tech, by the way. This is tech. Men, be careful. Angry woman gets flight diverted over cheating husband. An Iranian national was traveling from Doha to Bali with her husband and child on a Qatar Airways flight. As her husband slept, she used his hand to unlock his fingerprint-protected phone, revealing the affair in all its sordid detail. This is tech here. Angered, the woman reportedly started to hit her husband. The cabin crew intervened but were unable to calm the situation. With the in-flight episode spiraling out of control and hopefully not the airplane, the pilots decided to make an unscheduled stop in the southern city of Hananai. So there you go. If you have a thing, don't sleep where your wife can find your phone, okay? Unless you're okay. I think most Christians here are pretty safe with that, but that's tech. That's a bad use of tech. Or good if you're her. Revelation Plagues. Sunday Times. We've been talking about Black Death for two weeks in uh, Madagascar. It's getting worse somewhere else. Listen to this. New Black Death has found deadly virus worse than the plague and no cure breaks out. A deadly outbreak of rare and highly fatal virus has broken out in eastern Uganda. And five cases have already been identified. The World Health Organization has confirmed. The disease known as Marburg virus disease is similar to Ebola and can be lethal in up to 90, 90% of its cases. Emergency screening has begun at the Kenya-Uganda border in Turkana. That's where our brother Isaac is right now in Uganda. After three members of the same family died of the disease in Uganda. The outbreak is thought to have started in September where a man in his 30s who worked as a game hunter and lived near a cave with a heavy presence of bats was admitted to a local health center with high fever, vomiting, and diarrhea. 
He did not respond to anti-malarial treatment, and his condition rapidly deteriorated. He was quickly taken to another hospital in the neighboring district, but died shortly after arriving. His sister in her 50s died shortly afterwards, and the third victim passed away in the treatment unit of a local health center. The virus is transmitted by direct contact with blood, body fluids, and tissues of infected persons or wild animals, meaning monkeys and fruit bats. Several hundred people were believed to have been exposed to the virus, which is among the most virulent pathogens known to infect humans. This is a scary world. When the ball drops, we'll hope that it happens after the rapture, but when it drops, it's going to be just terrible. And then eventually, whenever, the Lord is going to come for us, and we're going to be out of here, and it's going to get even worse. So know Jesus. Know him now, all right? Morality today. Mail online. Weeding, weeding through the applicants. Weeding through the applicants, Massachusetts to hire a $58,000 a year cannabis connoisseur as the state prepares to legalize pot. The Department of Agricultural Resources in Massachusetts is looking for an inspector who will specialize in cannabis. The position will enforce the laws and regulations involving hemp and the cultivation of marijuana. In July 2018, that state will join a growing number of states where adults can buy, sell, and smoke marijuana legally. You know, I said something about the marijuana issue about 10 Prophecy Updates ago, and you wouldn't believe how many people barbecued me on it. I don't normally read the comments ever on, on YouTube anymore, but somebody asked me to check something out, and I did, and I saw these. And I'm like, you know what? Smoke pot if you want. Do whatever you want. Do what you want with your life. But I'm telling you that this is a part of the moral decay of our nation. You don't think that the church is falling away, the pot coming up, and all of these other things aren't part of something happening in our nation which is degrading it morally? Do whatever you want with your life, but don't harm other people that disagree with you. It's insane. Absolutely crazy. All right, World Net Daily. Survey stunner. Doctors discuss assisted suicide for terminal children. Now, this is in Canada. One year ago, they were talking about doing uh, assisted suicide, and it would only be used old people at the end of life who could make the choice themselves. Okay, wait till we get to the end of this article. And remember what I told you about those autistic children that I had the honor, the pleasure of baptizing this week. And listen to what you're going to hear. One year after they said this would never, never happen. Okay, hundreds of parents of very ill or handicapped children have talked with a physician about assisted suicide. The Canadian Pediatric Society found 118 doctors had exploratory discussions about assisted suicide with parents involving more than 400 children, parents wanting to kill their children. Do you know, I read hundreds of articles a day, hundreds. Every single day for the past year, I have seen an article on Mail Online or another news service where a father or a mother has killed the entire family, including their children, and then killed themselves. Don't take it out on the children, especially when God gave them to you as a gift with that affliction for you to care for them, right? Let's go on. After the loser, Trudeau's Liberal Party legalized assisted suicide for adults in 2016, it's been a a little more than a year now, an independent review was launched to consider, consider allowing it for children. They said this would never happen one year ago. Doctors said that they had discussions with 60 children under the age of 18 in just the last year. There were explicit requests delivered to at least nine doctors. It said that whether or not children and adolescents can have legal access to assisted suicide is a complex question that is yet to be fully considered and adjudicated by Canadian society in Parliament and through courts of law. Something they said would never even be addressed is now being brought into the legal system, right? Competency can be assessed in children and adolescents in a variety of medical decision-making scenarios, but does not resolve the ethical question of who can or should be able to access assisted suicide. About 2,600 Canadian doctors were surveyed. About 1,050 of them, 46% of responders, were in favor of extending the option to mature minors experiencing progressive or terminal illness or intractable pain. Fewer believed, but still, access should be extended to children or youth with intolerable disability, right? My kid is intolerably disabled. He's autistic. I want you to kill my child legally. Right? 29% said that. And then 8%, 8% mental minuscules or with intolerable 
mental illness as the sole indication. So you got a child that's a little mentally ill. Who defines that now? We don't need all these humans on planet Earth. We're just going to say that if you, you know, yelled at your teacher one time, you're mentally ill. I don't like this kid. Get rid of it. Imagine the world that we are going in. One year ago, they said this would never be. But everybody on every Christian site said this is going to happen. It's going to happen immediately. One year later, we're facing it. Two walls. Two walls. What do you mean? Canada. Oh, yeah, two walls. We need two walls to Canada. Our other category. Wall Street Journal. Sears holding holdings to close 63 more stores. Of the closures planned in late January, 45 are Kmart stores and 18 are Sears stores. Bad news for Sears. Breitbart. Trump vindicated. Now even the U.N. confirms that the Paris Climate Accord was a complete waste of space. The U.N. has officially confirmed what many of us, including President Trump, already knew. The Paris Climate Accord was a complete waste of space, as U.N. Environment admits in its latest emissions shortfall report. Even when you add up all of the CO2 reduction pledges made by all the signatory nations at Paris, it still only comes up to one-third of what is supposedly necessary to stop the world warming by two degrees centigrade. Well, the answer is to eat more clams. If you saw that last prophecy update, you know, we need to start eating clams and oysters and from the Daily Caller. Bureaucrats annoyed U.S. emissions levels are plummeting despite leaving the Paris deal. Diplomats are confused and irritated that the U.S. has made more ground-reducing emission levels than Canada despite Trump's decision to leave the Paris Agreement. It's a bit of a paradox here. Secretary General of the OECD told reporters the U.S. is pummeling Canada on this issue. He added, even though the latter has made ratcheting down fuel emissions a top priority, meaning Canada. In Canada, you, they've got Trudeau still in office and he's putting out all that hot air, right? In Canada, you have a situation where you have a very strong political will to reduce, but effectively it has not gone on the planned road. They don't understand it. Canada's emissions should have fallen 17% from 2005 levels, he added, but they dropped only 2%. The U.S. CO2 emissions have fallen roughly 12%. Ooh, Breitbart, outright act of terror. You know, I've seen a couple things on this. If you haven't heard of this, it's the kind of thing that has been completely, completely ignored by the media. What I do when I do a prophecy update, for those of you who don't watch it because you're here in the church, I always put photos into the update of what I'm talking about. And I did a photo search on this, and they were so bad. They were so disgusting what I'm going to read to you. I could not believe what I was seeing. I couldn't put those photos up, I'll tell you that. Outright act of terror. White South Africans protest farm murders. 74 killed in 2017. So far, the murder rate for South African farmers was 156 per 100,000, putting it well above the already high national average and making farming in the troubled ex-colony arguably the most dangerous occupation in the world outside a war zone. Don't click on that unless you want to see the most brutal, inhuman acts perpetrated against the human body that you have ever seen in your life. Absolutely revolting. Okay, from KCBD, kind of on the same um, line of thought, but completely different. Okay, it's a little bit of a relief from the the pain of what we just went through. Um, I have a friend that lives in Lubbock, Texas. As a matter of fact, the uh, missionaries that were here that were going out to Arizona went through Lubbock. And so he helped them to get a uh, a hotel and took care of them. Yeah, well, here we go. Realtor.com, this is not a fake site. Realtor.com says that Lubbock, Texas would be the safest place to ride out a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, Lubbock came in at number one on the list for two main reasons. Our history with tornadoes means we have a lot of solid shelters available, and our healthy gun culture means we have plenty of guns and ammo stocked up if the dead decide to take a walk down Broadway. We also have local gun ranges offering plenty of opportunities for target practice. Here's the full list. Lubbock, number one. Two, Deltona, Florida. If we if we have a zombie apocalypse, I'm going to Deltona. Okay. Three, San Luis Obispo, California. Four, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. So Jude, my friend Jude, you're safe. Okay. You're number four. I flew over Oklahoma. Uh, Steve Kane was off to the left, and I waved to him, and I went right over Oklahoma, and I waved down to Jude, and now she's seeing this on the update. So, but you're safe, Jude. Kalamazoo, Michigan. Uh, Mi, Michigan. Uh, that's number five. Duluth, Minnesota, six. Seven is Wichita, Kansas. 
Eight is Fort Smith, Arkansas. Nine is Prescott, Arizona. And ten is Lynchburg, Virginia. So you guys are in bad shape because it didn't list you anywhere on that. You need, you need to think about moving. Um, real estate agent Jackie Howard of Coldwell Banker said, we had a huge tornado here in the 1970s. What came out of it was that Texas Tech became a leading a creator of safe rooms. So there you go. They're, they're very safe in Lubbock, Texas. So there you go. Mail online. This is a real shocker. Everybody get ready to just drop your jaw and say, oh, I can't believe it. Teenagers who regularly booze and smoke cannabis are less likely to end up married or have a job, scientists claim. Oh, see, I knew that would get you. Okay, so I got a less Rick here for you. The world's gone completely insane, as we must to terror give rain. In order to be always seen as PC, the bombers and knifers will gain. Good job, Les. And uh, we got our irony of the week, and then after that, um, we'll be done. But I want to remind you that we have the video. Every week I say this, and every week one more person clicks on these Sergio and Rhoda videos, and they get hooked. Some of them say, I binged all of them, and I've had that a couple times. And people are saying, I'm so glad that you did this, and they're using them for evangelism of Jews and wonderful stuff. So here we go. Don't forget to click on Sergio and Rhoda's travel video. It is where Jesus was baptized. All right. Plus other great things happened at this part of Israel in Israel's history. You'll know most of them if you've read your Bible through once. Okay. If you haven't, then you won't know anything and that's your fault. Okay. Mail online. (laughs) Mail online. Man shot and killed his close friend during an argument over the meaning of Forgiveness in the Bible. Yes, they had the Bible. They want to know what it means, and he shot his friend over it. Such is the world we live in. So, from Sarasota, Florida, to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, and Hobart, Tasmania, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is the Superior Word, and that is your prophecy update for the week. <laughs> <laughs>